Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello and welcome. Wow, that's, I'll, I'll edit that part out, hopefully. Hi, guys. <laughs> it's Frankie said some more, and you know what we say. Anything's going to come out of my mouth, and it, and it usually does. So <laughs> there you go. Wow, we are here today with the infamous Dr. Daniel Monty, who... I just love, and so I had to have him come back to our show. He's a CEO of the Marcus Institute of Integrative Health and chairman of the Department of Integrative Medicine and Nutritional Sciences at Sydney Kimmel Medical College, Thomas Jefferson University. Dr. Monty has expertise in several areas of integrative medicine, and his extensive research has focused on assessing promising mind-body interventions, understanding brain mechanisms of stress and emotional regulation, and testing natural molecules for therapeutic efficacy in nervous system diseases and cancer. He's also a professor in the departments of psychiatry and emergency medicine. He has dozens of scholarly publications, has been a peer reviewer for numerous medical journeys and study sections at the National Institutes of Health and the Department of Defense. Dr. Monty is the recipient of several federally funded and private research grants. And not only did he obtain his MD with a specialized training in psychiatry, but he is also an MBA. He has authored The Great Life Makeover, Tapestry of Health, and Brain Weaver. Today, we are going to be discussing both the physical and psychological effects that the past two years of living during the pandemic with COVID-19 has done to us as single individuals and as a society, and I'm sure much, much more. Welcome, Dr. Monty. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. That was quite nice. Thank you. And it's such a pleasure to be here with you again. I just love talking with you. You're just like a real guy. One of my favorite podcasts ever. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, we're hoping to get some nitty gritty. And I know lots of people are wondering what, you know, what's been going on and why mild depression, um, tribal, you know, this breaking apart of families, the, uh, can't remember things, which is part of the stress, don't sleep, gain weight. Uh, although I did read a study that marriages got better over the pandemic. I'm not 100% sure that's true, but maybe, so. maybe, maybe <laughs> they did, maybe they didn't. Uh, what from your end of things have you been seeing? Or what are people complaining about and what's real and what's not real? Yeah, I mean, all of these things. So there's the, there's the, we'll call it the bad news of the pandemic went on a long time, yeah. longer than I think most of us, probably close to all of us, anticipated. Even those of us in healthcare, we were much more hopeful that this was going to have a shorter time course. Even I myself, I kept moving the timeline, then moving the timeline, then moving the timeline because we didn't understand this particular virus. It isn't something we had a lot of experience with, especially in a endemic or pandemic kind of manner. I mean, coronaviruses have been around, but this is just something, the way that it played out, the way that the mutations played out, it just was very prolonged. And this took its toll on people. It really did. Because 
there's so much involved with something like this and it affects people's lives on so many different levels. One of the things that it you know, really does is amps up the nervous system to go into fight or flight mode when we're in something like a pandemic. You know, and I mentioned this before in our previous conversation, but it's worth just revisiting what that means because it sets the tone for everything else that we deal with and all of the other struggles that we have. So we've got this, we call it an autonomic nervous system. There's the central nervous system, which is the brain and the nerves that go down. And then there's the autonomic nervous system, which is the part of our nervous system that is responding to the outside world and internal cues without us thinking about it. That's why it's called autonomic or even automatic. So it's happening and it just does what it does. And we've got two major components to that part of the nervous system, what we call sympathetic or fight or flight. So we perceive some threat to our well-being, and we perceive it consciously or not. We might not be thinking about it, but we might be registering Something it. Something just happened. Are we okay? Yep, keep going. Yep. And then the Paris. I turn this video off somewhere. <laughs> which is the yeah, restoration or recuperation part of it, of that nervous system. And so basically one mechanism and there, and which is linked to survival is amping up the nervous system to survive. And the other is calming it down to restore, relax and rejuvenate. And sorry. hang on one second. I'm sorry, guys, we don't, we have something going on and we're not, I'm not really sure where it came from and how to get it to go away. Uh, so just excuse me for one second. We're going to be okay. It's a live video somewhere happening off of Facebook. Oh, did it go? Is it gone? No, it did not go away. Okay, sorry. I just don't know what's happening. So there's this some never live happened before. There's something interfering. I'm gonna, I, you know, you know, uh, okay. I'm gonna take us off Facebook for a second. I'm gonna stop it. Okay, I took us off Facebook and I'm going to put us back on. Okay. Yeah, I, I'll fix that. I'll yeah. fix that part. Can we go back on? Yes. I don't Should know what I happened. Recap where I was? Yes, please. Just let me just get, um, I'm just going to have to just repaste this uh, part. There we go. That was so weird. I didn't see. Our, I didn't see us in Facebook. It was a black screen. And I thought, well, so I hit something and then it went. Okay, we're live again. Oh, great. So let me just recap for, because uh, I don't know where people got interrupted, but we were talking about those two major branches of the autonomic nervous system. Sympathetic fight or flight, which activates the brain and body to deal with any perceived threats to our well-being in any way. And those can be conscious or unconsciously perceived. And then the restoration or recuperation, or we call the parasympathetic part of the nervous system, which resets the nervous system, allows us to rejuvenate, to restore. And, you know, ideally, we have more parasympathetic activity going on so that we can be in the most functional restorative place possible. 
However, let's just think about that mechanism a bit and how it applies to the pandemic. So that fight or flight, that, that sympathetic part of the nervous system, if we go back in time and think about um, our earlier roots, if we saw a lion in the jungle, for example, it's one I like to use if people have heard uh, me talk about this before, we automatically go into that fight or flight mode, that sympathetic nervous system mode, and you want that. That mode doesn't have a lot to do with the neocortical brain, the part of the brain that makes decisions, asks questions, does math problems, right? So it's not a matter of, hmm, I see a lion, should I activate? Should I try to run or fight? No, you don't want that because that part of the brain is actually slower than the more, um, uh, in terms of uh, the brain itself and the lower parts of the brain, which re react more automatically to stimuli in the environment. So before you think about it, you're in fight or flight mode. If- uh, Our reptilian a, brain, they call that the reptilian brain? It's, it's a combination <laughs> of the mammalian and reptilian brain. And then that neocortical brain is unique to us. That part that can think logically and do math problems and make decisions um, in an analytical way so that um, mammals have this part of the brain, but then also lower um, um, animals, uh, such as you know reptiles, have that part of the brain. So that's why it's called the reptilian and mammalian parts of the brain. Those, those react rather auto automatically. And so we do what we need to do to survive. And if we uh, choose flight, the smarter if it's the lion, and you know run up a tree, the lion passes, what ideally happens is the body resets itself and we have some more parasympathetic activity to restore, recuperate, regenerate. Now, the lions of yesterday have been replaced by a great big pandemic of today, which has lots of other lions associated with it. So it's sure it's the virus and the initial part of this pandemic, right? So the, for the whole first year, we didn't have, um, we didn't have uh, great treatments we didn't have uh, vaccines. And so we were living in fear of what if I get this virus? What if my loved ones get this virus? What if vulnerable people in my life, right. such as older relatives, sicker people get this virus and they end up in the ICU and possibly die? All of those kinds of things. Is it, you know, what happens when a child, what if my children get it? Should I be concerned about that? These were all unknowns. Right. for the first several months to a year of the pandemic, because what we saw all over the news is how New York City got decimated, and it did. Yeah. Um, and everybody was afraid that was about to come to their area. And it did in different ways and in different scales. A lot of areas of the country got hit very hard, especially pre-vaccine. But, you know, the vaccine didn't sort of wipe it all away because then it took a while for everybody who wanted to get um, immunized. Yeah, well, we thought the vaccine was a panacea. Oh, wait for the vaccine. Right. Well, and but even before fine. that, even before that, people didn't believe, they either believed COVID was real or they didn't believe COVID was real. Right. Right. And then we're waiting for the vaccine. We're waiting for the vaccine. You've got a stupid election on the horizon and in the U.S. and you've got, you know, 
this vaccine that's going to be coming, but oh my God, it's new. I don't want to take something new. What if I turn green? What if I die? What if I turn into an animal? Like what's right, going to happen to me? There was that anxiety too. I'm anxious about the, I'm actually anxious about the virus, but then a lot of people were anxious about the vaccine because there was such politics that got caught yeah. up in it and all kinds of shows on different networks saying, oh, the vaccine is the best thing in the world. Oh, the vaccine is, you know, some government plot to, I don't yeah. know, do what? And so, We're implanting, and so you know, hey, you're gonna be a robot now. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you still had people that you cared about that might've been vulnerable that wouldn't get the vaccine. Yeah. I know I had people in my life and I'm like, please get the vaccine. They didn't want to get the vaccine. And then you yeah. were worrying about them. So these lions, right? So there's the worry about the virus. Then there's the worry about other people. And that went on for a long time, but that wasn't the only lion, right? So the other, you know, kind of threat to well-being that people are registering is what happens to me in other ways, financial, what's going to happen with my work, with right. my finances and those kinds of things. And what about if you had children and you're homeschooling and figuring out what to do about their exposure and if they go to school, don't go to school, how do you manage that? What if you have to work and they need to be at home? And and then what if what if you have an elderly parent or a family member that you're taking care of that you have that extra amount of worry because the uh, especially the earlier variants were very yeah and if they were in a home cool. you were scared shitless you were scared exactly yeah and so that scare that scare puts you into fight or flight so what we had during this pandemic for many many of of you listening and many many of us was no relief from that fight or flight response. It's always going on, always going on. So it's like, it's like the faucet of your cortisol is just. Right, exactly. Crazy. No, it's not just cortisol, right? Cortisol, you're right. But you're cortisol gaining that weight, right? We're gaining the right. weight. And we're... That's a downstream effect of that increased cortisol. So there's, there's weight. But then think about what happens in fight or flight. The body does things to survive and it's meant to be short term. So we pull our energy, our blood away from the center part to the periphery so that we can run or do what we need to do, get up a tree. And so what does that do? It relatively shuts down digestion. So people very often were complaining of digestive issues, GI upset, yeah. everything bothering their gut. Why? They're in fight or flight mode. More aches and pains in the musculoskeletal system why? You're in fight or flight mode and all the energy is going there. And so that people are overly stressed and tense, their muscles are tense. And it's not like anybody's being able to do some of the therapeutic things when everything was closed. You can't. Even, yeah. You know, like things that you might've even done as simple as going to the gym. A lot of people didn't have an option for that or couldn't think through what to do. And so people just sort of went into this mode of they just hunkered down and they tried to soothe, soothe themselves. And then how do many people soothe themselves with memories of foods that were soothing, which just adds to the problem. And so yeah. everybody talked about weight gain. And, you know, I thought that I was being fairly okay. And I hardly ever like gain weight. I gained like 15 pounds. During oh, the did pandemic. you really? Wow. I did. And I was like, wait, what's going on? But I think it was a combination of that cortisol yeah. because as much as remember, you go into fight or flight, regardless of what your conscious brain is doing, if you're perceiving these threats to well-being, and I'm dealing with clinical trials with COVID patients and going into the office a lot, all through the um, pandemic, and I'm telling myself I'm fine, I'm fine, but a part of my brain knows I'm not fine. 
Yeah. Part of myself knows that I'm still feeling some sort of threat to well-being in some way. And so all of that is kind of an issue and all of that is going on. And so I had a lot of the same effects that everybody else had, because here's what we don't do. When we start to go in that chronically stressed state, then that becomes our new set point. Yeah. And it's, we, it's hard to step outside ourselves and say, wait, I need to do some stress reduction things. I need to take care of myself better. I need to now stop diverting to comfort and divert to what's going to be healthful. And, and that's just, that's by the way, hardwired also, because in our nervous system, we're hardwired to avoid pain. Yeah. And so it's actually distressing. Distress is painful. So then we're trying to avoid the pain with all these comfort things, which are then, which is also then creating this vicious cycle and this downward spiral. So when people feel like they've been through the ringer over the past two years, that's most of us. And don't feel like there's something wrong with you or, you know, the fact that you feel distressed or that distress when it's chronic affects everything. It affects mood. It affects weight. It affects behavior. It affects your ability to Our be memory. Huh? People are complaining about memory loss. Like I can't memory. remember anything. I can't read. I can't take things in. That was all real. Mild depression, high levels of stress, all associated with that. So yeah. many people thought, did I become demented? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> when we've even tested some people because they were just convinced. And I'm like, you're not, you're distressed. Yeah. So let's work on the distress part of it because many of us are just distressed from having gone through two years. But here's the good news too. You see the light at the end of the tunnel. With this last variant kind of really winding down in the country, you see all of these things happening where vaccine mandates, which, you know, basically um, I, I wish everybody got a vaccine, but if yeah. you've decided not to, well, if a variant comes along and something happens, you know, you've decided on that risk for yourself. But, um, a lot of the mandates that were restrictive are sort of lifting, which is a sign, you know, whether or not you agree with whether the mandate should be there, shouldn't have been there, all of that, put all of that, those sort of things Prejudices that shouldn't have been political. None of it should have been political. No. All of it should have been science driven. And the problem is it just didn't go that way. Let's, and, let's go to the science for a moment because people, you know, they're still going, oh, I, you know, that mRNA, man, I don't want any part of that. That's just too new. I can't have that vaccine. Yeah, that's been, the mRNA has been around for like 10 years, 10 or 12 years, yeah. right? Like that's not new. What was new was just the little piece, the educational piece for yourself to recognize the spike on uh, the COVID spike and yep. what to do with it. And then it dropped out of your body. Didn't it just go right, right out of your body? Right. And, you know, there's been numerous clinical trials and studies done on this to look at this. and what all of the studies to me, if you take all of the studies and say, put personal beliefs or biases aside, put aside what your favorite anchor on your cable news network show feels, yeah. <laughs> feels subjectively about it all. Yeah, yeah. What's very clear to me is that you did much better if you were vaccinated versus you got COVID. Yes. Um, and if you did get COVID vaccinated, you got it much more mild than, yeah. um, than other people because a, t um, 
a severe COVID case, even if you didn't need to be hospitalized, is associated in the, and this study just came out, I think yesterday or the day before, that even in moderate cases that didn't require hospitalization, there's still more long-term effects from having had the virus, the viral illness, right. than anything related to the vaccine itself. So the vaccines, sure. Were there some side effects? Yes. Did some people? That's true of any vaccine, by the way. Yeah. We've had vaccines forever. There are some people that have reactions to things, and there was also, um, um, you know, an option if you didn't want the mRNA vaccine. People, and and for people who were really hung up on it, I said just just get the J and J vaccine. Right. It still provided some protection, and over time, that protection went up over a twelve-week period of time. So there were options for people. There's options now, but um, I think that uh, it's at still the new. End, I think at the end of the day, concerns people had. For example, but what if I get pregnant and have a premature birth or something like that? The premature births did that didn't, that didn't seem happen. To do with the vaccine. It is an issue if you get acute COVID during pregnancy. Yeah. And so I think that that's where the science is. People make their decisions. But I think that um, if you did get vaccinated and you're listening, don't be caught up in anything you've been hearing like, oh, no, am I going to have long term consequences? Will I grow a second head because I had an mRNA vaccine? The answer is the data just doesn't show that. The right. data doesn't show. And what about the mix? Because that was a big thing. You know, some people, oh, I, 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 you know, I got this one, Pfizer, and then my second one was Moderna, and I got really sick from it. Um, but am I better? Is it, it, do I actually have a better chance of not getting things? Or was that really bad to mix them? I mean, they were both mRNA, really. I think one kind yeah, of there was, helped there was the other, no really. data that mixing was a problem. But some countries um, wouldn't let you in if you had the mix. Like, what was... Well, okay. <laughs> that's because they were following the, the, the study, the science, right? So the science on the boosters, so they were following the studies, the studies on the boosters, there was, they didn't mix them in those, in those initial studies, particularly everyone was looking at Israel, which did Pfizer and then the Pfizer boost. Right. And so um, that was, that was, that was where the data was. And so some countries are like, let's just go based upon where there's clinical trials. Gotcha. However, when um, smaller studies, and when you just sort of look at the science of it, and you look at how many sort of antibodies they are, there are, if you did a, a Moderna boost when you had the first two Pfizer's, it does show an increase in immunity. And so, you know, that was yeah. something of convenience. But then, you know, we also have to deal with, you know, if you want to travel outside the country. And right now, almost none of it matters because in the EU, I think most of the countries, require that you've had a booster of any kind in the last two months. And that's what they want. Yeah, yeah. That's sort of the new thing that they want. So I think that, you know, what people wanted and then what they want all changed. And it is true. So when the other side says, hey, listen, the science hasn't been consistent because the experts said this and then they said this. Yeah. That's true. They're liars. They're more. liars. <laughs> I mean, it is true that Dr. Fauci early on in the very beginning of the pandemic yeah. said, I don't think you need to wear masks. Right. Now, was he saying it because he knew that the healthcare workers were going to have a shortage of masks? Was he saying it because he just really didn't 
realized that that was the primary transmission, probably both. Yeah. Because early on, if you remember, we thought that it was spread through surfaces. Yeah. Everybody just, you couldn't buy anything with Clorox in it or alcohol. All your groceries were wiped down all the time. Wiped out because everyone thought surfaces, surfaces, everybody is like wiping down their counter, their doorknob, their, their Amazon packages when they come in, because we thought it was surfaces when we realized that almost all of the spread is aerosolized. Did we know that initially? No, no, we didn't know it. And so it is true that as more studies were done and more studies were done, we understood more. It didn't mean people were lying. It's, it was their best guess. Right, because so it had never happened before. Was, I don't think you need the mask. And then he said, oh, wow, this is aerosolized. You do need the mask. Right, right. And what about the mask? Let's look at that from an emotional um, yeah. point of view now. People are wearing masks. You don't see people's faces. That's scary. Yeah. Before somebody wore a mask, you go, they're scary because I can't see their face and they must be a robber or somebody doing something bad. And, and then now you're walking out in public and everybody has a mask on and you don't know. And you go, you see somebody without a mask, you go, oh, they don't have a mask on. They're bad. You know, like, but somewhere I think in our subconscious, not seeing somebody's face is scary. You're right. And this thing about wearing a mask and not wearing a mask when people are outside this is highly geographical in this country right now. So there's pockets of the country where mm. nobody's wearing a mask at all. And then there's pockets of the country, I live in one, where everyone's wearing a mask all the time. And so I do think that it's going to sort of normalize a bit where people will be relaxing their masks, especially when they're outside walking around. Right. Transmission is very low. And as the virus sort of plays itself out and we hope there's not a resurgence. It'll be safer and safer. Well, and look what happened in Denmark, like two weeks ago, right? They dropped all of their, everybody cool. Don't wear masks. Don't do this. 40,000 people in a week got COVID. Like, I mean, that's a lot. It seems yeah. like a lot. So just because you can say it's over because we're tired of it doesn't mean it's over because you're and tired of it. Is, <laughs> the people in Denmark were pretty well vaccinated. Yeah. And so while there were cases there were few hospitalizations hospitalizations, and even fewer deaths. Yeah. And so cases are going to exist yeah. um, with this thing. So, you know, what the consequences of those cases are is based upon how we choose to sort of take care of ourselves. Okay. So the booster's good for, we don't know yet, but the booster will probably have few to months. get How uh, many? That, Three that months? That data is out. That Three data months? is out. It's just a few months. Okay. It looks like now it's variable. An individual can have shorter or longer, but we're thinking six to eight months. Okay. So I've known people who have, you know, had COVID, got COVID again. We're, we're, did have the, you know, the booster, whatever. Um, so are we going to have to go every three to five months, six months to get a, another shot? Or will our body just automatically start to, know what to do what's going to happen do you think yeah so when people actually are infected it's less clear exactly how long they have the antibodies because it depends upon how severe the infection was right so um you know i'll uh, i'll I'll, uh, I'll divulge to uh to all everyone listening since we're all you know talking we're and all friends revealing here. ourselves we're all friends right so i was due for my booster right before the christmas holidays and I thought, oh, there's so much going on. I'll just wait till after the first of the year when it's easy to get it. My mistake. 
because I got exposed to Omicron because people didn't know Omicron was coming. I didn't know it was coming the way that it did. It just swept through. I mean, literally everyone I know got it. And I was sick for three or four days in a way that I probably wouldn't have been had I gotten that booster a week or two before. And I thought, oh, (laughs) wish I would have gotten the booster, you know, kind of thing. And now I have to wait another month or two to get the booster uh, just because I was, you know, I know uh, I had my antibodies were way high because I actually had symptoms. It made me have to sort of, you know, cancel holiday plans, all those kinds of things, because I'm not going to expose other people. And so it was a bummer should have went. Now, I still didn't get really, really sick because I was immunized, but I think that people, you know, a lot of it's going to be personal choice, a lot of it, because um, unless you're a healthcare worker, if you're someone like me, they're going to come up with guidelines and I'll follow the guidelines. I bet you the guidelines are every six month booster, although they haven't, they haven't set them yet, but they're already sort of hinting. And Does it seem safe to do that every six months? What's that? Does it, is it safe? Do you think? Yeah. 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 So Dr. Monty got COVID because he didn't go before Christmas. And I went to Christmas to get my booster and my whole family got COVID, including my husband, who also got the booster, but he, we'd only gotten about five days prior to Christmas holidays. And I, in a room full of 12 people, I did not get COVID. And yeah, I was very lucky because I got my booster and I felt, you know what, like, this is crazy. How did I not get COVID? But I didn't. So yay on me, I guess. And then I thought about it and I go, well, maybe I should have got it because then I wouldn't have to worry that I'm going to get it, but maybe I'll never get it. Who knows? Some people say, you know, if you, I, I'm a I'm B negative. So some people say, oh, if you're a B, you know, blood type B, they don't get COVID as much as other people. Who knows? There's so much chatter. There's not real data on that, right? Yeah, there probably but isn't. There, but there is individual differences, right? So all of us could be exposed to COVID or anything else. And not all of us will get it or not all of us will get it at the same severity. It has a lot to do with what the state of the host is, right? So it has a lot to do with what, how your immune system is doing and why it's where it is in that moment of time. So you were in a resilient place, combination of the booster and probably other factors as well that had you in that resilient place. And that's why you fared well, because yeah. you were high, I mean, in all likelihood, you were exposed. Oh, gosh, yeah. For but sure. your system said, eh. Uh, no I'm not taking it I don't want it (laughs) okay so there's a big you know we've had a feud going on in my family the tribe you know masks don't work why are you wearing them masks do work we're wearing them yeah to me I mean okay yeah you have a little pocket and stuff comes out but at the same time you know what I think I didn't get stuff because I wear a mask so, you know, <laughs> I don't this know. thing about the mask is really sort of a, a little bit funny because it, 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 it did get caught up in politics. And I remember clearly the politics of this one because it was a little bit unsettling to me how political the masks got. And it kind of still is in our Congress and things like that when it just should not be. When we were not even a vaccinated country, when we were still when we didn't have the vaccine yet and the early stages of getting vaccinated, there's no question that we needed to be masked if we were anywhere near one another outside of our, our home dwelling. That because are the masks perfect? They're not. But do they provide a relative protection? They do. This is indisputable. This right. is just the science of it. We know this. Now, you might say, ah, but the viral particle is so small 
And there are these pores in the masks that if you're not using an N95 mask and you're using one of the more surgical masks, things can get through. That's true. Um, a doorway might allow one football player to get through, but if a whole team of football players is trying to jam through it, you know, maybe one will get out, you know, kind of thing. It yeah. is certainly decreasing significantly the chances of a spread, particularly if you're not like right in front of that person's face with the mask so that, you know, it isn't this aerosolization going on because the mask is trapping a lot of those aerosolized particles. It's absorbing them so that, you know, by aerosol, you know, I mean, little- Sure, little I believe in the mask. Are carrying, you know, because when we talk, whether or not we like the idea, little tiny particles of our of saliva are we going out it. into the atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. The mask is trapping a lot of that. And so I'm trapping really most of it in certain types of masks. That's why those cloth ones, airlines and other institutions said, listen, we understand that if it's a piece of bandana cloth, a lot's it. getting through and it's not that helpful. So we want you to wear a real mask. And, you know, that made sense for the time. Like my, my test was, okay, blow out this candle. If you can blow out the candle with your mask on, it doesn't work. That was my litmus test for wearing a mask. But a <laughs> yeah, but but here here is the thing. The 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 argument was my argument was, well, they wear it in surgery. Why do they wear it in surgery if it doesn't work? Oh, that's to make people feel better. It's not. They're it's they're unconscious. They don't need to feel better. This is part of sterile technique. That's why people, that's why the surgeon has a sterile gown on, a mask on, so that you're minimizing in any kind of an infection to this, because in surgery, you have a body that's now opened up yeah. and prone to infection if you don't have high sterile technique, which is why having everything sterilized and having people masked makes a huge difference. And we know from when there's been problems in the United States or other parts of the world that something has happened with sterile technique when... Um, uh, there's an increased um, infection from surgeries. We know this. This is a fact. Yeah. Okay. So you've done a lot of work, um, whole body work, you know, the foods that you eat, the things that make you feel better. So with suffering from depression and maybe doing some mindful techniques, if people can do that, is there anything else that we can do? Like, can we eat food, certain foods that are going to make us feel Absolutely. better? Absolutely. So you have to realize that, depression, like almost all illnesses, because depression isn't just a psychological problem. It's a physical problem. We're a mind body. We're not, it's not like our brain is disconnected from the rest of our body. So this is, you know, we feel depression in our body and um, just like anything else, body and mind are constantly affecting one another through both neurological communication pathways, but all of the, we call it liquid nervous system with all of the different proteins and different uh, things like cortisol you mentioned, but there's countless others, countless other types of peptides communicating back and forth. So this is a mind-body problem, just like every other illness is a mind-body problem. Now, there are things in the mind realm we can do and things in the body realm we can do. So, um, and again, we're talking about the blues from this long pandemic versus yeah a clinical suicidal depression, yeah, which yeah. requires acute, you know, psychiatric intervention. If I just put it's, that disclaimer it's, it's the isolation and, and just not 
you know, touching people or being hugged or, right. or people are just lonely, like just loneliness. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And here's where the good news is. We are moving to a place where people are going to be, are starting to be more social again. And if you got caught in the rut, so it is a normal neurological response to sort of get into a pattern. The brain likes patterns. Mm -hmm. The pattern that was adaptive a year and a half ago is no longer adaptive today. And it's one of those things where we have to sort of have a conversation with ourselves about that. So staying in, not socializing with other people was the right thing to do. It was adaptive. It's now no longer the right thing to do for your well-being. Because we are social creatures. We are hardwired to connect with other people. And it's time to connect. Because I know people that weren't even connecting this way, like you and I are. I at least get to see your face and see that beautiful glow you have and, you know, almost virtually hug you. But like, there's all kinds of, you know, people who weren't even doing that. They were watching television or on, you know, social media or doing whatever, but very disconnected from others. Maybe there was one other person or maybe nobody, but it's time to reconnect, find ways to reconnect, of course, in a safe way, assuming you're vaccinated. But now you have to force yourself because I think what happened is that you got used to being alone. You got used to the quiet. You got used to, you know, that way of living. And and now it's like, I don't want to be around people. Right. How do you force yourself to go out? Like, Well, see, and I'm going to go back to that habituation is a normal process in the brain. You've got to undo it now. It requires volitional effort. It requires, now everybody's different. Some people structure works. Like I'm going to structure in and make sure I schedule a meeting with my best friend here, doing this, going to this, so that a few times a week you have structured things. And so structure is one thing, but no matter what your thing is, it requires a little bit of volitional effort. I think a lot of people are just waiting for the depressed feeling to lift. And I understand that because it's sort of settled in without you doing anything, but it will not lift without a little bit of nudging. This This is one of those times, again, if it's not a severe clinical depression, that you got to nudge through it. And the other thing is to go from that static, hunkered down state to a more kinetic state, going out for a walk every day, just making yourself, going out for a walk where you might stop in and get a coffee or a tea and interact with the people there, making yourself do it, actually getting into a more kinetic, movement-oriented state, moving. Because when you're in fight or flight and you've decided that you're going to sort of flee and hide, that you're perpetuating that, perpetuating that fight or flight part of the nervous system mm. by staying hunkered down. And right. in a way we're trying to undo it. Yeah. So we do our stress reduction techniques that we've talked about like mindfulness or others, others that we talk about in the book, Tapestry of Health. Right. Um, but then all of the other things, and you mentioned food, yes. So since there's an inflammatory component to all of this, and also we were eating comfort foods, which perpetuate then more inflammation and perpetuate weight gain, which then makes people self-conscious about getting out again and all of that. It requires then the sort of conscious effort of saying, okay, now the next healing thing to do is to not comfort myself, but to eat a more healthful diet, bring the greens back into my diet, 
supplement some of the bad fats with healthy fats. We know that healthy fat is actually very powerful. Olive oils, omega-3 fatty acids, those kinds of things with more greens, just that in itself. And the other thing is many of you, if you're listening, you've become vitamin D deficient. Yeah. And you might not have drawn those levels, but we know that uh, vitamin D deficiency can be associated with a low mood also. And that's because you haven't been outside. You haven't been getting some sunlight. As you can tell, I got too much the last few days. <laughs> I love it. I, I have a little bit of sunshine peeking in and I've, I've definitely, you know, I had mild depression, but then I have sad from winter and we haven't had any sun and it's, you know, yeah. I mean, I've been popping my D because I know that, but it, it's very important different. and actually getting some sunlight's important. And if you can't get sunlight, get a lux light or something. But I think that right now, you know, spring is coming no matter where yeah. you're from and okay. get out there and get some walks and get some fresh air in and get your body moving because it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about diet for a sec. Cause I yeah. know a lot of people, they don't like to diet. They don't want to go on a diet. Like can, when we settle down again, will this kind of just naturally help just lose a little bit or no? Yeah. So listen, diet is this big struggle in the United States. Why is it a struggle? Is it because everybody is just, you know, bad in the United States, but good other places? It's not. You know, listen, the food industry, we live in a capitalist society, which is really great for us in many ways. You know, I'm not anti-capitalism, but it does allow certain groups to get away with things like the food industry because they have high lobbying power and things like that. And, you know, the food industry for junk foods and comfort foods, snack foods, spend a lot of money on food chemists that test the food to be as the snack foods, the junk foods to be as reinforcing as possible. And so the fact that you like them, that's no mystery. That's been tested. Yeah. You know, there is a there's a famous rat study that over time, Oreo cookies were more reinforcing than cocaine. And so it feels it, and it becomes addicting. Like you feel it when you try to get rid of that stuff. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always try to say in the book is do not um, think you have to be all or nothing. Um, you can. Is that start- bottom there for eating the rainbow? What's that? Yeah, the bottom part is for eating the rainbow and and experiencing the rainbow, right? But like, you can start anywhere. You know, we talk about stress and all of that. If you want to work on sleep, stress, pick somewhere. You're not sleeping well, pick that. If you want to work on stress, pick that. But diet is a good one to pick too, because diet has lots of downstream consequences. And I think that nothing should be in an all or nothing mindset. People are like, well, if I'm not going to perfectly transform my diet, which I'm not ready to do, then I may as well do nothing. Not true. We know from the science that actually there's a cumulative effect to any good things we do. And so I say, listen, don't worry about getting rid of everything bad, but start adding some good. There you go. Because what a lot of people have done is disconnected from the good. Find ways to get those healthy greens in every day if you can. You should have something living. Yeah. Something that's alive in your system every day because you've got those living enzymes. And also, how can I sort of reduce some of those bad fats I've been eating for healthy ones? How do I add olive oil or an omega-3 fatty acid, either supplement or flax seeds or some fresh fish? How do I deal with all of that? And so I think that those would be two major places that I would start with, which is your greens 
and your omega-3 fatty acids. Something and you can living. put those, all those in a, in a smoothie. So easy and don't taste it. You don't taste spinach in a, in a smoothie. You don't taste it. And, and you put heart, so hemp hearts in it or, or. You are absolutely right. So one of the, my favorite things to do is because I don't always like to eat a salad, yeah, but I do I like don't smoothies really myself. Yeah. And so, you know, I have one of these um, uh, vegan protein powders that's chocolate, right? And, so you know. So like a pea-based? A pea-based pea protein. Get whatever one you like. If you want to go on our Marcus Institute website, we have some suggestions, yeah. but whatever one you like. And so chocolate is a mild bitter. You put some spinach with that, which is like a mild bitter. You don't know it's there if you don't see the green tinge. Yeah. You know, your Nutribullet or whatever you like to mix it up with, with some ice or a Vitamixer, you have some ice, some spinach, that protein powder, and either spring water or almond milk or whatever you like, oat yeah. milk, and just blend that up and it's delicious. And you power pack that meal. You can add some healthy oil to it. You can add a dollop of almond butter, which has the uh, uh, healthy oil to it and give it a, like a sort of a Reese cup effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Well, that's good. See, I love the approach of, of you know, add. You don't have to take away necessarily, but add. And as you're adding, you are taking away. You're taking bit. away without it being so painful. Yeah. You're, you're, the, the mindset is add. And then you'll be like, ah, you know, I don't really need then that ice cream because I just had this smoothie, which makes me feel satisfied because here's the other thing. You crave more junk when you're not eating nutritive food. Mm -hmm. The more nutritive food you eat, the more you're able to make the decision of, I can skip that if I want to. And make right. it all about if you want to. If you want to. Yeah. That's a good And you want to, the more nutritively you're eating. Yes. That's awesome. I like that a lot. Okay. We're going to do that guys. Come on smoothie at least one smoothie a day with some spinach and I, you know, people say, one smoothie a day is life-changing I assure you <laughs> okay so soon everything is going to go away and we're going to go back to normal but we're separated now we've got tribes uh, how did that happen yeah you know we know how it happened <laughs> 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 but why did you believe those idiots? <laughs> I, mean, I, don't I think it's time that, um, you know, for those, you. those of us who can think outside of this a little bit to connect with the important people in our lives that might be in the other tribe on grounds that have nothing to do with what, with what is separating us. Because as humans, we have a lot more in common than just those political issues. Those political issues have started to define us when it isn't really what we're all about. We're not all about whether or not we wear a mask. We're not all about whether or not the election was stolen. But we dug in all... for a reason, right? We dug in, but we dug our heels in for a reason. One of the reasons is I believe the pandemic facilitated it. Oh yeah. I believe the fact that we were already in a distressed state made us cling to that which made us feel safe, one side or the other. Okay. And so I, I think that, you know, aligning with your tribe is what people do when they're feeling threatened in some way. The pandemic is moving away. We can step away from some of our tribal grip. And so, you know, maybe that person in your family, your, you know, your child, your uncle, your whoever that thinks differently than you do, 
find ways of reconnecting that have nothing to do with what those political issues are about because they're no longer the life and death political issues. Right. They, they don't matter that much. I have to and ask you the way you want and don't talk to the other person about it. <laughs> yeah. No, no politics, no COVID talk. Yes. It's really hard to keep people from talking about it, it really is. But and when okay, we're not talk about it. it, just do a hmm and then move on. Yeah. yeah. You know, the thing of it is, is to resist the temptation to try to sell your point of view when you're trying to reconnect with those other yeah. people. I had it just happen to me yesterday. Somebody say something really bizarre about the vaccine. And I just said, mm, well, I think there's a lot of sides to this one. So, you know, that's, that's just the way that that's just the state of the country right now. But isn't it great that the weather is breaking and we're all able to just get outside and just kind of find another transition. Yeah. The, I have to ask you this because I, I don't know if it's a debunk or if it's the truth and I want to know. So I heard from somebody yesterday that every death was a COVID death in a hospital because they got money for it. Not true. Okay. So I've heard this before, but nobody can actually trace that to dollars. Okay. Because they, were they were getting dollars for. Right. So you think about subsidy dollars. You think about where the dollars come from. The dollars come from private insurance companies, Blue Cross, Aetna. Are they giving? What, what is no, they're incentive? not giving money for sure. They're What's not their incentive to give the hospital more money? Yeah, but the government wasn't giving money. Or Medicare. Medicare is going bankrupt. What is the incentive of Medicare to give the hospital more money because it's a COVID death? Now, where I think, so there, every... Every sort of uh, theory, there's there's often a kernel. I believe where this comes from, I believe, is that there was some pandemic relief dollars for taking care of COVID patients. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that it gets caught up in that. Um, But, you know, doctors are not falsifying records because they're personally not. I mean, they're all salaried now with the exception of a few people in private practice or whatever, but primary care doctors, ICU doctors, hospitalists, they're salaried. There's no way, or it would be out there. We would have evidence of it that hospitals are saying, hey, make sure you code that a COVID death, even if it isn't, or people would have whistleblown. Like yeah. that isn't happening. Um, it, that isn't the case. But I, I understand that, you know, on the side of this that says, hey, this has been overblown or whatever. And I think that what happens is people don't like the things get conflated. So for example, somebody dies of COVID because they had a, 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 a comorbidity that a previous condition that just makes it so they can't fight COVID. And so then there's that debate with people on the other side that says, well, the cause of death is still that condition. Well, no, they had the condition, the COVID illness made it, they couldn't fight the COVID illness because of it, you know? And so people, people are splitting hairs on things like that. Right. Right. Gotcha. And it makes sense. I mean, you know, if you've lived 10 years with your heart disease and then you get COVID and you die from it, what did you die from? COVID. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people with COPD and this is a respiratory illness because their lungs weren't in great shape, they couldn't fight the COVID infection, but it was the COVID infection that got them. Right. Now you might say, well, if they would have caught the flu, maybe that would have got them. True. Then you would have said it was flu. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's but, why we tell all those people, get your flu shot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Okay. This has been so eye-opening and amazing and really positive, I think. Is there anything else that we need to debunk or tell people about or or fix before we go? <laughs> Let's fix the world, Dr. Mark. I, th- I would say the one thing is that like, this has been a tough ride for everybody this yeah. couple of years. It's been a tough ride, but like there's great things on the horizon. Things now, I mean, I realize in other parts of the world, things aren't so great no. right now, but yeah. you know, we're lucky right now in the United States that, you know, we're able to sort of start to see past this. And so be proactive in making whatever changes you feel comfortable with this at, at this moment in time, because we're getting, we're getting past this. And so we're able to get into different modes. We're able to be more socialized. So remember to connect with people. Remember to laugh like you and I are, Frankie, because yeah. that changes the nervous system. We, we actually can measure like immune factors to know that after an hour of us interacting like this, if one of us was feeling a little you know blue before that, it actually changes our whole physiology. I've been sending people Kevin Hart YouTube videos because I'm dying laughing. Oh my God. He's so funny. And you know, the best of, and if you could just sit there and watch that for 20 minutes, like you do feel so much better. So and much there's better. A, that, and that, and there's a science to that. We know that's true. I know because in your brain weaver book in, in his brain weaver book, they show you physical, the brain lighting up with creativity, lighting up with different things and getting smaller with different things, right? It's very interesting. Yeah. And you actually see it on the functional MRI in real time, you know, as we give people different things to do what the brain does and the brain can light up and it doesn't require. And so some people are like, oh, if I have to do an hour of meditation, you don't. If you actually breathe just for a couple of minutes, it can reset the nervous system. If you actually just laughed with your friend for a couple of minutes, it can reset the nervous system. And by the nervous system, we also mean the brain. The brain, we can see what happens in it. Yes, And in the brain book, it's perfect because that one, we do show those pre-post brain scans. Yeah, that's an amazing book. Amazing, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I just love having you. To talk to you. I look forward to our next one. Oh, me too. Me too. I think it's so great. Okay, Facebook. Goodbye. Sorry for our little blip at the beginning there. Bye, everyone. (laughs)